Hey there, watchers. It's Whitey, your host of Born to Watch. This is just a quick announcement. We had some production issues on this episode of Top Gun Maverick, and the sound quality isn't as good as we'd like it. The episode's still a great one, and I'm sure you'll still enjoy listening to it. Gobbling your drink. He did it on purpose. Could you swizzle more swazzles in there? You reckon? Come on, I'm good, I'm good. Welcome to Born to Watch, where three old mates review and discuss movies that mean the most to them. Hey there, fellow watchers. It's that time of the week again, Born to Watch time. It's my favourite time of the week, and I'm sure it is fast becoming yours as well. I'm the host of this podcast, Whitey, and with me, as always, are my two stooges. Live from the panic room is Gao. How are you, mate? Hello, everybody. Great to be back. I'm looking forward to this tonight again. The real world's had me this week, so it's great to grab a couple of Tinny's Pale Ales from our sponsors and sit back and enjoy our podcast. And, of course, up there on the land, living large as a station hand, is Dan. How are you? A tough week on the land, I've got to say. But uh, this week... Me and M Head, uh, another uh, favourite of the uh, the Born to Watch podcast, we decided that we've got a bit too much seal blubber over the over the winter, and decided to join a local boxing gym. So we always uh, we're a bit like Gow, you know, we always think we'd, we'd like to be tougher than we actually are. So we joined uh, joined the gym, and it, it's whilst there is a boxing component, it's mostly just getting absolutely flogged in cardio. So. I, um, I was going pretty good, I thought. I wasn't vomiting or anything like that. And uh, I took off to do a pathetically short sprint, like we're talking 45 metres maximum. And uh, I got two steps in and just felt this twing. And uh, my, my grenade groin, you know, you know, it's too embarrassing with my excuses for calves going. But, yeah, so I've, uh, I, had to, I had to split uh, half the ice to my margarita. And the other half to, uh, to to stick it on my groin, which uh, doesn't do wonders for my wizard region, I've got to tell you. I'll tell you what, it's been a big week. Has been. I think, yeah, a lot of controversy like, out, well, of our, out well, of our episode last week. Absolutely. Look, I think there's been a wave of despair over your ratings of First Blood, Daniel. Should we start there again? Well, I, yeah. I believe this week we got our, uh, we got our first death threat. It was our very, first official death threat into the Born of the Watch team. It's, uh, um, it's our, our good about friend, time. That's all I'd say. Yeah. About fucking time. <laughs> our good friend Sloan, you know, guest panellist, has said Morgs is dead to him. Yes. Which, I, which I'll take as a threat. Uh, I, I'll go as so far as to say... Just oh, wait, can I, can I start... That was the most predictable death threat that I think any of us. That was a lot. That was like Tom Cruise in Minority Report. I saw that one coming the minute that the rating left my mouth. So please continue. This is how it got the message that I got from one S. Nixon from uh, Colorado Plato. Oh my fucking god! Two point seven five nearly lost me forever. Lucky Gowan, you saved it. Is he fucking kidding? Same as the guard deleting Spotify. <laughs> yeah, I knew it wouldn't go well being the same as the guard. <laughs> he he has, and he goes further on. The guard, holy shit. Thank God I was not on first blood. Thank God my spot was indeed a cameo. 
<laughs> yeah, look, uh, you got anything to add there, Daniel? Like, uh, just have you got anything to defend yeah, yourself? Uh, I did have a, I did have a bit of reviewer's remorse after that. I, I did reconsider, so I'd like to officially go ahead and change my first time ever change my review. Uh, wow. Not because of the rantings of uh, the Badlands Colorado Plateau uh, uh, critic, Mr. Nixon, but no, I, I did feel I was too harsh and probably uh, it was, I, I stand by my rationale, it was disappointing because like Sloan, I loved that movie. I, I That movie was so dear to me and it was just on this most recent viewing that the back third let me down. So, But I, I think that... The other forty years of pleasure that it gave me before that um, that that reviewing means that I'll give the, the first two thirds a four and the last uh, the last third a three, and then because it's uh, I did make a mistake in our ratings too, which means I should break it into thirds and go four four three and then divide that by three. So whenever that comes up, that's uh, that's what I'd like to change my rating to. So I did I am a massive fan of the first two thirds of that movie still, and it gets a four. And then just the, it's just the back that, that, that uh, let me down, I reckon. But yeah, here in your slide, I, I know you love the movie, so part of me loved sticking uh, my boot into it just because I knew you would blow up deluxe. But um, yeah, I'll I'll change it and uh, I'll, I'll do a bit better in remembering that these movies are made to entertain us, not necessarily to be picked apart forty years later by uh, by, by an industry veteran such as myself. Okay, wow. so that is going to come to 3.667. And because we don't deal in those absolutes, are we going to go up to 3.75 for you, Daniel? No, I'll go down to 3.5, thanks. 3.5. Okay, we can do that. Let me just let me just change that in the... Let's talk about it at the end when we get to the ratings. Yeah, okay. Well, it, well, it has made a change and it's, it's going to make a difference. It's going to make a substantial difference to the ratings. Um, but anyway, it was well, good to see this all the time. So don't don't ever yeah. Well, no, on actually, my, my MySpace page and just give it to me and think I'm going to change my numbers. This was predominantly driven by my remorse. No, not it was I, threat I of, must uh, I must defend of, you. I will defend you, Dan. You did have buyer's remorse almost instantly, and having spoken yeah. to you the day after, you were instantly concerned about your uh, rating, and it takes a very strong. Almost farm strong human being to yeah, well, to change his mind. Yeah. Well, it's a mate, different it was, type of strength. That was great. Morgs has changed his ratings first time ever, and um, let's hope it's the last. Look, we're going back to the start, back to where Bourne was. That the on your ratings, yes, it's the only one that mattered. A few people didn't reach out to me. I think on behalf of that. So. Yeah, I think we lost some viewers because of that, and some listeners because <laughs> of that. Daniel, so we're going to fight to win them back, and it's going to start tonight. And it's going to start with us returning to where we began. Gal and I started this journey with a movie that took 37 years to come to fruition. And oh, was it worth three three weeks and 16 years? Uh, you would normally describe it. Three years. Thank you. But this took 37 years to come. And we knew that the way we wanted to start Born to Watch was with a bang, and we certainly did with the instant review of Top Gun Maverick. And we were without Dan for that session because he couldn't make it down the M1. But he's here now. And now that it's streaming on Apple and also on uh, Paramount, we thought it was the perfect opportunity to get Dan in as a threesome and talk about Top Gun Maverick and actually give it a proper rating and see how it will rate in the pantheon of Born to Watch. I'm pretty excited about this one. What about you, Gal? Yeah, I am I think we're going to give this a good go tonight. And Yeah. I know Mog will love it because it's going to be iconic. 
There's going to be a lot of that out there. Well, I think we, we defined a podcast with Iconic in that first episode, and I, we haven't used it much since then because we overused it dramatically. Well, I'm I'm really keen for it because I think I can provide a, a unique insight into this. I mean, I'm the only panellist here with jet fighter experience. Correct. So, you know, and that combined with my... 80s knowledge of karate. Absolutely. You know, should, put, should put me in a prime position here. I've got a few insights. So, Morgs, it's great to have you on board for this one. And, and it will be, I'm very interested to hear what you've got to say about this. You generally play your cards very close to your chest, which is what we love about you. So, you won't give it away. Our ratings have already been done. This is 4.75 Gs, and it's number one spot on the Born to Watch ladder so far. Let's see where it stands at the end of this. Tom Cruise again stars as Pete Maverick Mitchell. The character that defined his career, there's no doubt. And I guess any male over the age of 40, at some stage in their life, wanted to be Maverick. He was a hero to many. Tom Cruise does a lot of his own flying in this film. And it just makes me think about famous Scientologist pilots. So him and John Travolta, massive pilots, love it. They love to fly. I'm wondering John Travolta have a... Hanger at his house, like he'd pull he's up in his 747. He's got a runway, doesn't he? He's yeah. got a runway or something. He's got his own. Remember he was the Qantas he... ambassador? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Remember he was the Qantas ambassador? But my question to you guys is, do you think they learn to fly for when the spaceships come down so that they can actually just take over and go, move aside, I'm in. I'm just going to fly us to you know, Jupiter or wherever they're going. Do you know, can you give us can you give us a layman's uh, overview of what Scientologists <laughs> believe? I, I, I just have no idea. Yeah, look, I don't either. I've seen Battlefield Earth, and that's about as good as I get when it comes to Scientology. I got a question. Why does Why does Tom Cruise get Top Gun Maverick and JT gets Battlefield Earth? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I tell you what, to, uh, who's handing the money out? TC is quite the businessman. <laughs> TC is quite the businessman. It's at this time of the night that we stop and give ourselves a minute of praise, and we've got a couple of reviews. And the first one this week is from the Barrel Buyers. <laughs> and the first one this week is from the Barrel Buyers Agent. Bloody oath. That's it. I got it. Well done. Whitey, loving the pod, especially since Morgz's segment, Film School for Fuckwits, has been toned down. Fuck, he's a dribbler. He's very entertaining when on air on the piss. I'd like to sponsor an episode. What's the deal? Mate, we'll be in touch. We'll get our uh, our finance department in touch with you, uh, Barrel Buyers Agent, and we'll uh, organise that for you ASAP. But I'm sure that if you're looking for any properties down there in Barrel, you've got to go and see Adam, legend guy. Yeah, why don't you tell us about Top Gun Maverick? After more than 30 years of service as one of the Navy's top aviators, Pete Maverick Mitchell is where he belongs pushing the envelope as a courageous test pilot and dodging the advancement in rank that would ground him. When he finds himself training a detachment of Top Gun graduates for a specialised mission, the likes of which no living pilot has ever seen, Maverick encounters Lieutenant Bradley Bradshaw, callsign Rooster, the son of Maverick's late friend and radar intercept officer, Lieutenant Nick Bradshaw, a.k.a. Goose. Facing an uncertain future and confronting the ghosts of his past, Maverick is drawn into a confrontation with his own deepest fears, culminating in a mission that demands the ultimate sacrifice from those who will be chosen to fly it. Yeah, it's a good synopsis. That is the official synopsis. That's a good synopsis, yeah. Do you know what I like? I like Bradley Bradshaw. I know. What about that? Yeah. 
They didn't think too much about that in '86, did they? When he was just, he didn't even mention his name. No. But it really, they really fucked him for when it got to 2022. And you got to release it. His name's Bradley Bradshaw. It's up there with Casey Kasem. Yeah. Yes, it is. It's up there with American Top 40. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that's a great synopsis. It's going to be hard to top. Let's see what the trailer has to offer. do we have here? Yeah, here I thought we were special. Fellas, this here's Bagman. Hangman. Whatever. What the hell kind of mission is this? Everyone here is the best there is. Who the hell are they going to get to teach us? Captain Pete Maverick Mitchell. Let me be perfectly blunt. You are not my first choice. You are here at the request of Admiral Kazansky, AKA Iceman. He seems to think that you have something left to offer the Navy. What that is, I can't imagine. With all due respect, sir, I'm not a teacher. Just want to manage expectations. What the hell? Good morning, aviators. This is your captain speaking. And we're off. Here we go. In three, two, one. We're going into combat on a level no living pilot's ever seen. Not even him. You think up there you're dead. Believe me. My dad believed in you. I'm not gonna make the same mistake. So I was not coming back from this. Those are your pilots. Anything happens to them. You'll never forgive yourself. No turning back now. Having any fun yet? Great trailer, and God, I tell you what, when that first was released, I got at least half a bar, and it stayed that way for three years until the movie actually came to the cinema. Okay, so let's talk about the ratings. And actually, Morks, this is really interesting. I actually dove a little bit deeper this time. I looked at the numbers a bit deeper this time. So IMDb have this movie rated 8.5 out of 10. Now, Morgs knows that anything over 8 is classified as a good movie in his in his eyes. It's super fresh. 324,000 people have rated that movie. Wow. Right? It has been out for four months. Easily, this movie is certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, 96% on the tomato meter, which is a, which is a critic's rating, and there's over 500 critics have rated that. A 99% audience score with over 50,000 ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. So this is the champion of the people, this movie. The people have voted with their feet, obviously, and we'll get to that when we talk about the box office. I cannot disagree with any of those ratings. In fact, the IMDb might be low. We waited 37 years for Top Gun Maverick, and this was a cinema experience 
that I will never forget. That night that we spent together, Gow, was incredible. That first session at 6 p.m., there were so many delays. There was so much expectation. It was worth the wait, 100% worth the wait. So, Gow, what do you think? Yeah, we watched that in the cinema together. That was that was amazing. It was so much anticipation in that theatre. And it just, as soon as it came on, you know, that, that music, iconic. Shout out to Mog. Definitely. It was the screen comes up and it's the same font. It's the same everything, you know, the same start of the movie. It was it was amazing. It was a really good start to that. And then it really put you in the into the mode of or into the mood of where we're going with this. Definitely. Look, uh, Morgs, you haven't seen it in the cinema. You've only seen it at home. What's your take on Maverick? What do you think? Just a, just a quick take. Yeah, yeah, no, I just want to take one quick step back, but I won't I won't make it a long one. But I, yeah, right. when you were talking about the trailers and how you barred up, but I I also was excited about the trailers, but then that was uh, kind of trumped by the delays with the release. So I took the delays as there being problems with the film. And so I was like, uh-oh, they fucked this up. So I my expectations were really low. And it wasn't until you guys did your first pod and um and, and talked it up, and then everyone I've heard since it's been very, very good reviews. That I thought, okay, this is worth the look. So yeah, when I when I saw it, I saw it at home. I haven't been able to get to the cinema yet. It's just a, it's a bit of a bit of a trek from the station. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, as Gao said, when those those first uh, the, the score hits, and it, it's literally just a, a a reimagining of the original opening of, of the original Top Gun. I'm just like, wow. It's uh, it, it's it's definitely made for the fans. I guess that's my first take. Yeah. Look, and that, and that was what Joseph Kaskinski wanted to do, was you know nod back to nod back to the original. But it, it certainly just takes you straight back. Harold Fultmeyer's score in there, like it takes you straight back to where you were. Look, I, I think this is fan service done right. This is what I wish Star Wars would have been able to achieve. They took the best parts out of the original, and just catered to those people, catered to those fans and just modernised it and crushed it. There's no doubt. I think no matter where you stand with Tom Cruise, the guy can make a movie and the guy can make something super bloody entertaining. And the Mission Impossible movies are next level. They're all great. And this was, I'll say, one of the greatest cinema experiences of my life. I will never forget it. And watching it at home, I've watched it four times at home. I watched it twice in the cinema. I've watched it four times at home, and I find myself now with nothing on going and watching that and just starting it. This is, in my eyes, has become an instant classic. Yeah, no doubt it's an instant classic for sure. I mean, we'll get to the box office, but wow, it's a lot of people love this movie. Yeah. So, Gail, why don't you just tell us a little bit about how this has done? Because it's pretty bloody amazing. Oh, it's outrageous. This movie premiered April 22nd, 2022 at CinemaCon in the U.S., Theatrically released by Paramount Pictures on May 27th, it grossed. It has grossed so far in those months over $1.4 billion worldwide. The highest grossing film of 2022 and the only movie to gross over $1 billion following Spider-Man No Way Home. It's the highest grossing movie ever for Tom Cruise, obviously. Do you know last week at the box office, it still took $5 million at the box office. It's on home streaming as well, and it's available for all the naughty people to rip off the internet as well. And it's still managing to take $5 million a week. It was in the top five for cinema takings last week. 
First weekend, 150 million in the US domestically and another 100 million internationally. The first weekend. So what do you reckon what do you reckon the budget was on this movie? Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to say 130. Morg, do you got anything on that? 100 million. 170 million. Wow. Yeah. Now, when you factor in the fact that the planes that they flew, and yeah. I, I can't remember how many hours they flew. 800 hours. 800 hours. 800 hours, right. hours of flight hours. Those things cost the F-18s they use cost $11,000 an hour. <laughs> so, And that's just in that. Yeah. And then they had to do all the work with getting the, the cameras on the plane in the right spots to do all of that. The original movie cost $15 million to make and made $150 million. Yeah, it's, it's just crazy what this movie has made, and it's not even a year old. Yeah. It's probably a good... Yeah, look, it's 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 changed. It's it's saved cinema. There was so much talk that cinema was dead due to, through the pandemic. The way we we're going to watch uh, and consume content was changing, and there's no doubt that this movie has single handedly changed that viewpoint and has saved cinema. And thank God, because I don't want to sit at home and just watch movies. I love going to the movies. It's well, there's nothing. There's nothing better than going to the movies yeah. and watching something that's that's big and and massive like this. Yeah. Absolutely. Getting so, your popcorn, getting the coke in, it's great. Yeah, chock top. So why don't before we move into the cast, why don't we just talk about, because that's interesting, we talked about Top Gun just before. Morgs, the original Top Gun. Now, we all know it's one of our, yeah, it's one, it's a, it was a go-to in its day. And we don't want to say too much about it because I'm sure we'll cover it on Born to Watch. But what did the original mean to you? It was a, it was a huge flick when we were kids. That was, that was we, we could... Quite the whole movie verbatim. It was just a go-to movie before streaming, before Foxtel. It was just something you'd lob in. And uh, I, I mean, that one would have to be over under 100. Like, we've just seen yeah, that absolutely. so many times. Absolutely. It's, it, and that was why it was – and I think Tom Cruise is even on the record as saying that he wouldn't do a sequel to Top Gun because it was so beloved by – by the audience and, and just wasn't sure how they do it. So that's why I personally had a lot of trepidation when I saw those trailers and I thought, wow, is he going to fuck this up? And Tom Cruise, there's no denying, he's an absolute fucking weirdo. And every the character he plays in every movie is Tom Cruise. So it's literally you cannot have, you, can, you can't take him away from the role. So all the baggage that he brings from his, uh, his, his different life is, is there on screen as well. So there, there was all these things that he's carrying along to take into this project and us loving the Top Gun movie, the original, so much made it uh, made it especially worrying when uh, when, when the, all those delays happened. But, yeah, the original Top Gun movie, it was just a... Uh, it, 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 everyone thought about being a, a fighter pilot at that time. If uh, and everyone around our age thought maybe I need to go to Miramar Fighter Town, San Diego and uh, jump on a Kawasaki Zip Zip and race the planes on the tarmac. Like, everything he did was fucking cool as. And I think that it, it was just one of those movies that everyone dug. You could watch it with your parents. You could watch it with your girlfriend. You could watch it with anyone, and, and everyone would find something in there to love. So and another thing was how young the cast were. So Tom Cruise was 24 years old when that movie was released, so shot it probably when he was 23. And he just owns the screen like he's he's, 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 he's an out and out superstar. He is an out absolute out. bonafide movie Hollywood royalty at twenty four. Yeah. 
yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, and carries that. So it's it, it's just crazy. I mean, Val Kilmer's uh, a little bit older. He was 27. Uh, I was interested to see that Kelly McGillis was only 29 in that flick. Now, she definitely played a bit older in uh, in how the they, they set up those characters. But, uh, yeah, she was only 29 herself. And so the whole, apart from Tom Skerrick, who was in his 50s, it was a really young, even Michael Ironside was only in his early 30s. So yeah. really young cast. And to carry that film and, and produced by the incredible duo, Bruckheimer and Simpson, who even then the stories that of those two, the debauchery <laughs> of uh, producing movies in the 80s, I mean, fuck being an actor. I want to be a producer. Those yeah. guys were just absolutely bag city, love and life, just, uh, yeah, just incredible. So the, the whole package of Top Gun, and it didn't, it wasn't like it just stayed in the 80s. That lived with us right through the 90s into the noughties. Like it was just, it was an iconic flick straight away. It just uh, just kept on coming. It's a, a movie I would have watched probably 20 times in the last few years. Like it's just yeah. uh, something that you can always return to and always find fun in and, uh, yeah, just a, just a brilliant movie from our from our youth. Yeah, well, I think and I can't remember the figures, but there was something crazy about after this after this movie came out, how many people wanted to join the navy in the US? Oh, they had was, they had um, crazy. They had navy recruitment yeah. stations in the cinema for the original Top Gun. Yeah, so people would walk out and they could join the navy. And this was one of the massive reasons that Tom Cruise didn't want to do another blockbuster like this, and then he did something like. Born on the Fourth of July because he wanted to move away from from that kind of thing. He didn't want to take that, yeah, down that path. But we can talk about some of the movies he's been in. If Mate, we can segue into that for sure. Let's talk about Tom. Let's, Let's do it. This is an impressive. Like when when I this guy through, this guy is the greatest actor of our generation. Oh, it's it's amazing. So first movie, Endless Love in nineteen eighty one. Yep, with oh, Jamie Gertz. With Jamie Gertz that we talked about last week. Into Taps, 81 as well. Good movie. The Outsiders. The Outsiders, right? Yep. 83. Risky Business, which put him on the map pretty much. Yep. And then All the Right Moves in 83 as well. Then Top Gun, which really, really opened him up. That was it. Superstar, right? That was that, it. That's Write your own check stuff. Then we go The Color of Money, Cocktail, Rain Man, Born on the Fourth of July, Days of Thunder, Far and Away, not my favorite. but no, it's rubbish. A Few Good Men, The Firm, Interview with a Vampire, Jerry Maguire, Mission Impossible Starts, Eyes Wide Shut, Vanilla Sky, Minority Report, The Last Samurai, Collateral, War of the Worlds, Tropic Thunder, one of his greatest roles yeah, in there. absolutely. And I'm knocking a few out of there. Valkyrie, Night and Day, it goes on. But let's Rock just, of Ages, let's, Jack Reacher. Yeah, so let's stop you there, Gal, because you know the mark of an actor by the directors that cast him. So he's had Oliver Stone, he's had Martin Scorsese, he's had Stanley Kubrick, like it's Francis Ford Coppola, it's royalty, it's it's absolute royalty that is saying that we are anointing you as a superstar, and and they were right. This guy is the one. Oh, he's got it, and there's no doubt he's had that from a young yeah. age. And and as Mork said it before, as as odd as he is, and he's weird, and sure the jumping on the couch thing for Opal was odd, but you can't deny his talent. He's a he's a out and out number one, no doubt, hands down, can't be touched. Yeah, he's amazing from from his real life to his personal or to his movie life. You know, yeah, you can can you divorce it? Yeah, I can, but yeah, I can as well. And not many, and but some can't actually. More probably can't. And but I've 
I have to be able to divorce it because I love his movies a lot. Morgs, thoughts? Yeah, um, you made a statement about him being the best actor. I don't know. He's just, he's it's a charisma thing for me. He's just made for celluloid. Like he just he, he on screen. He can I guess, just uh, he, he can carry a movie. I don't I don't know that he I, 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 no, has I, the biggest I guess, dynamic range. I guess what I mean is I, I don't I don't think he's the best actor because I think there are better actors than him. But if you are looking for a superstar, and Leo DiCaprio's got that as well, right? Hmm. Those two guys are the two guys where you go. They've just got that star quality, and you just essentially know that people are going to watch them. It doesn't matter what they're in; people are just going to go to watch them. And it doesn't. Not everyone has that. Maybe Brad Pitt, maybe, probably not. But they've just got that star quality, and he's right at the top. Oh, it was for so long. No, I mean, I don't disagree. No, that's that. That was, I guess, the distinction there is that yeah. he, like, if his name's on on the masthead of a film, then it's uh, everyone's going to watch it and it's going to do a heap of, a heap of wedge. He has tried to do a few, I guess, uh, non-Tom Cruise-style roles. I mean, Jack Reacher was interesting because that's such a beloved character. I know Gal loves the books. My brother absolutely loves the books. But the the, the, the Reacher character in the books is a six-foot-five six foot behemoth <laughs> and, and Tom Cruise is five-foot-nothing. So there, were, there was a big, definitely a, a bit of backlash when he was cast in that role. But Richard was a great flick. The second one, not so much. But yeah, Richard first was, one's pretty good. was excellent. First so, one's good. Yeah, first, well, one, first both, one's good. It was... Both of them are true to the book. But I get Lee Child. I mean, what does Lee Child do when Tom Cruise comes and says, I'm going to buy your book and, and make a movie? Absolutely. Are you going to say no to Tom Cruise making that movie? No, probably not. I'll tell you what they did. They fucking crushed it in the TV series. Oh, yeah. yeah. The TV series is epic. Really good. The Reacher TV series is Amazing. In saying that, the movies are really good. Yeah, and, the and first movie. The, the, the movies are really good for the book. Yeah, like, absolutely. So, okay, well, that's a little bit about Tom Cruise, and obviously we, we can talk about Tom Cruise for it. We can have a whole podcast. Who else? On who else is in the uh, is in the cast here? Let's run through. Who else we got? Well, we've got Jennifer Connelly as the love interest. Fifteen out of ten. She's a fifteen out of ten. Yeah. She's been look. She was in Once Upon a Time in America. That was one of her first roles in '84. Robert De Niro movie. Good movie. Though. Yeah, it's a long one. But, but she's been in she's been in time Requiem for a Dream, yeah, a that's beautiful cool. line. Have, yeah, have you seen Requiem for a Dream? No. Yeah, do not watch oh, it. Morgs, have you seen Requiem for a Dream? It's it's a harrowing movie experience. It's a one Ex- watch. It's an excellent movie, but yeah, yeah. I, I think I've seen it. If I've seen it twice, it would be strange. Once yeah, it's a one watch, and there's a yeah. very Heavy. very. Okay. Jared Leto, one of the Wayans. Yeah. Oh, um, really? Yeah, it's, it's about drug. It's about it's about mm. uh, drug addiction, and she is in a very famous scene. Towards the end of the movie, which is harrowing. Continue, Gail. Yeah. Oh, Lack Labyrinth, Mulholland yeah. Falls. He's just not that into you. Snowpiercer. She's been in a lot of movies. She's seen a lot of movies, yeah. Snowpiercer was interesting. It was one of the Korean um, filmmakers made that, didn't they? Yeah, the yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. She was actually cast to be or the character of Veronica in Heathers was written with her in mind, but she turned the role down. That's a good movie, Heavens. Did that go to Shannon Doherty instead? Yes, I think so, yes. Hmm. The other role was she was considered as the role of Catherine Trammell in Basic Instinct. Oh, yeah. But lost out to Sharon Stone. Wow. And again, Sliding Doors, which is – I really like some of those Sliding Doors Absolutely, stories. yeah, definitely. It's, it's interesting to know that who could have been in something or who turned something down yeah, and definitely. how that could have been different. Yeah. Who else we got, Gail? Oh, we got Miles Teller. Yeah. Great in this movie. Really good. He was in Footloose. He was actually in the remake of Footloose in 2011. Yep. He was actually in a stage production of Footloose. Right. And then out of that, they went, you know what, we're going to make a, a remake of the movie. 
let's throw you in that because he did so well on the Put stage. Put your cowboy hat back on. Yeah. <laughs> Put it back on. Look, he's been in Divergent, Insurgent. Uh, fantastic. I saw you though. The, the, the old youth, uh, the, the team. They're not, they're not good. They're not good. No, no, I don't know much about them. They're not good. He was in War Dogs. That's a good movie. That's with. Uh, that was it. Yeah, it was cool. That's with uh, Jonah Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good movie. It's yeah. a good movie. Yeah. Uh, Only the Brave, which Joseph Kaczynski. I haven't seen that. Yeah, that's, that's, a, sure, yeah. that's the firefighting one, right? That's, the that's good. Yeah. That's a good movie. There's that's got Chris, Chris Hemsworth in it as well. Yes. 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 Yep. Yep. He's in Whiplash, which is a great movie. Now, Whiplash is one of my favorite movies of the past five or ten years. Yeah. So we should maybe we'll do a pod on excellent movies one day. Maybe we've tried that, and uh, the public cried when we yes. did the guard. Fucking so, Nixon, Jesus! But Whiplash is a good film, very good film. J.K. Simmons just absolutely steals the show. And he's he's brilliant. Yeah, he's he's a, so he's a jobbing character actor from he's, he's so good. A million parts. Yeah, he's uh, very very good in Oz, the TV series. Very good in Oz. Yeah, yeah. Sounds nuts. Um, <laughs> Cool story, bro. <laughs> uh, we got we got Val. We touch on Val in this. Yeah. He, he's not in it for much. And despite what his first reports in our podcast, he's still you know he's still marching on. He is. I don't know what you're talking about. I was talking about his character in the film. Yeah, of course you were. Yeah, move on. But look, Val's been in lots of movies. We'll come back to Val, obviously, because that was just incredible. That whole bit. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think we'll let's touch on Val then. I'm sure we'll talk about him in the good, bad, ugly. Well, Val started off in Top Secret in '84. Yeah. He's in Willow. Was that a spy doors. spoof? Yes, yeah, spy James spoof. Bond. Yeah, yes. right. it's hilarious. It's that. it's like yeah. um he's in the um the the French the French underground in World War Two yeah. sort of thing, and he's in the cow. Remember he plays he's in the cow and he gets his old fella sucked by the other cow or one of the guys in there. He's in the cow suit. <laughs> he bangs in the other. <laughs> Oh, I remember seeing that when I was like nine, going, "What the fuck is going oh, on here?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, went, I quickly went out looking for a cow suit. <laughs> I've never found one. Oh Jesus! <laughs> he was in the Doors. He did his own singing. Mate, he was—he's next level in the Doors. Yeah, yeah, yeah next level. Just, in the just doors. kills that. Thunderheart, True Romance, obviously Tombstone, and there we go. There it's done. Batman. Hey, the, one, the, one degree of Kurt's done. Oh, it is too. Yeah, it's done. It there is one go. degree of Kurt's done. The documentary, the recent documentary on Amazon on Val, though, is must-watch. Yep. So he, he always had a reputation as being hard to work with in Hollywood. <clears throat> and if you watch the documentary, it wasn't that he, he was a punish because of ego or anything like that. He was just so driven yeah. and so creative to make every part he did uh, just the, the, as best as he possibly could. Fuck wits, watch the documentary. It's incredible. It's on Netflix, uh, I think. Uh, it's well worth a watch. It, yeah. and, and his son, his son narrates it and sounds exactly like he does. Him. He's he does. uncanny. Really? Yeah, I think yeah. it's called Val. It's go called Val. Watch. Stop, stop listening to this and go and watch that. It's way. No, better. actually, just listen to this and then go and watch that. Right? That'd be uh, the yeah. best order. Okay. That'd be the better order. Thank you, Dan. Mate, he turned down the role of Pony Boy in Outsiders. Oh. Now he was working in theatre at the time. Yeah, but if he did taken it and pulled out, the show would have been cancelled. So he missed that role. Stay golden, Pony Boy. Yeah. 
And uh, he was actually in Heat, obviously, in 95, but Keanu Reeves pulled out of that role. And he oh, got the role. okay. Yeah. Thank God. He was Chris. He was in the, Chris yeah. in, in the, I mean, yes. Is it Chris Chahalis. Chris Chahalis, yes. Yeah. Chris, right. Heat's one of my favourite movies ever. And yeah, absolutely. And that's an incredible part. So he auditioned for the role of, or in, he auditioned for a role in Full Metal Jacket that went to Matt Modine. Ah, Joker. Private Joker. Joker. Yeah. But See the little on TV. <laughs> How good. We'll have to do Full um, Metal Jacket soon, considering oh, yeah. our logo was ripped from Joker's helmet. Here's a little tidbit. He he didn't want to do Top Gun. No, he didn't. But he was forced he was to. Contract- he was contracted, he was contracted wasn't he? Contracted yeah. to the studio, yeah. And he didn't want to do it, which... I tell you what, he didn't have the same reaction for Top Gun Maverick. He was all over it. Yeah. We yeah. we often in history we have to work with actors who we've contracted that may not want to work on our particular projects, and it's just it's just part and parcel of, of being in in the business. And it happens. It happens a lot in the podcast world too. Happens a lot in the podcast world. We have to work work with people that don't really want to be here, and we're sort of forcing them. But you know. <laughs> So we all we all know we're all in the industry. We're all in the industry. <laughs> he was going to be Keeper Sutherland's role in Flatliners. Okay, turned it down. He was considered for Point Break instead of Keanu Reeves and The Matrix. Wow, I couldn't see him as Neo. No, no. turned down the role in In the Line of Fire. Clint Eastwood's role in In the Line of Fire. Oh, that's a John movie, isn't it? Sucking off the the, the uh, pistol. Yeah, On he turned roof. down. He turned down being. Being Billy Baldwin in Backdraft, he could have got the whinging oh, right. That's a shame. Could, have been, the, could have been the whinger. Thank God. He would have Actually, rooted Jennifer Jason Lee better. Definitely. But anyway, let's move on. Let's move on. I reckon that's it for the cast because there's all the rest of them with bit parts, right? Well, you got John Oh, no, we've got uh, Glenn Powell. Is it Glenn Powell? Yeah, Glenn Powell. Morgs has got a bit of a fucking bromance yeah, going here. Yeah, I, really, I, like, I like Richard Lankletter movies because they fucking rule. And everybody Who? wants some. Richard Lankletter. You suck. Days of Yes, I know it. Uh, boy, boyhood. Yes. Uh, and anyway, continue. everybody wants some, which is the spiritual sequel to Dazed and Confused, Confused, which is loosely based on Richard Lankladder's own time playing baseball at university in Texas. So it's kind of it's funny because it's a, he's he's outstanding in that role. It's a, it's a bit of a blokey boys on a team. So if you've ever played any team sport at an elite level like I have, like you kind of just you. you resonate with the, the what the characters are going on with at that time. But anyway, long story short, he's excellent in Everybody Wants Some Fuckwits, go and watch it now. But he was it was always like, what's his next part going to be? Because he's so magnetic on the screen. And I guess this was really his breakout role. He was in one of those, uh, one of the ones where they, uh, they, they, they're on a moon mission recently, like one of those Apollo films. I can't remember what it was called, but he was in that one as well as one of the Yeah, there is. I can't think of the name, but you're right. He well, was in, yeah, he was in the Expendables. It. He was in the Expendables three. He was, was he? in that. Oh, yeah, he plays one of the yeah. one of the guys that one of the mercenaries. Yeah, he was actually in The Dark Knight Rises. Had a you guys didn't know he had a big role in that? No. <laughs> I mean, he was traitor number one. All oh, right, okay. Excellent. He was actually up for the role of Rooster, and Tom Cruise picked uh, Miles Teller over him. So he was actually going for the role of Rooster. Okay, and Tom Cruise. Personally picked Miles Teller for the role. Oh, yeah. Captain's pick. Nice. And then said, look, you can be the new Iceman cometh. Hangman. Yeah. yeah. Well, good decision. I think both of them were really good in the movies. Definitely. So definitely. definitely. And the only one I'll say is is Lewis Pullman, who was Bob. Bob. He's Bill Pullman's son. Yeah. There we go. Um, 
know, and of course, Ed Harris walked in a cameo, a true cameo. I'm going to give you that because I was That's, confused when I saw the movie. I thought he'd have a bigger part because he's Ed fucking Harris and yeah. he's in it for about 37 seconds. Yeah, he's and obviously, in 37 seconds. Obviously, there's John Hamm, another bromance for Morgs. Yeah, he plays. Yeah, well, we probably give, look, give me 17 seconds on John Hamm. Your uncle Morgs is is now going to talk to you on the level. Go out and watch Mad Men tomorrow. Like all these blockbusters that we talk about, they're fun. I enjoyed them when I was 14. If you want to see some great, great, great acting and, and amazing dialogue and just a great, enjoyable TV experience, watch Mad Men. These two fuckwits wouldn't watch it. I'm imploring you guys to go out and watch it. I've seen the series probably five or six times. I just always have it on repeat. And John Hamm is excellent. That's all. Let's move into question time. Got a few questions for you and let's see how we go with this one. First one. Does Tom Cruise ever age? He looks amazing. Yeah, he does. Movie. He does look amazing. It's actually interesting when they flash back to the photos of him and Ice, you know, in the original, and you can see the difference because when I was looking, going, God, the guy doesn't age. No, you can see the difference there, but still, like, yeah, he's looking. He's got a good dye job going. There's no doubt in this movie. He's, he's he's so black. I was impressed in the beach scene when he got his uh, he got his kid off. My yeah. God, like that's that. He's not on the piss like your, your friends at the Born to Watch podcast. Like this is a clean living Scientology loving unit that uh, is is up there on the big screen. He's not smashing the cow bomby after his margaritas. I, that's you, for sure. You don't you don't reckon he he goes to craft beer festivals on the weekend? I don't think he gets absolutely blitzed. That crafted on the Gold Coast. Well, I'm, I'm then... going to steal something out of my listen to this. Tom Cruise was 56 when he filmed this movie, yeah. right, and 59 when it was released. Tom Skerritt as Viper in the original movie, how old do you reckon he was? How old do you reckon Tom Skerritt was in the original Top Gun movie? 54. 53. Oh. And he looks yeah. 70. Next question. Is this Tom Cruise's best movie? Is is this his best movie? Yes, because of the original. Uh, or because of this movie. What metric you're using on? Like, yeah. I think as a movie experience, it would be hard to argue. But as an acting performance, no. Yeah, no way. Yeah, like, like, he's no, okay. he's had a lot better roles where he's been stretched more as a as an actor. But yeah. as an overall entertainment piece, yeah, it'd be hard to argue. Yeah. But but are we loving this entertainment piece because of the original? I'm, you but know, you can't have one without the other. Sure. You can't have one without the other. So is this his best performance? But, well, no, because it comes from the first one. So anyway, next question. Where does Maverick stand in the best sequels of all time? I've, I got to, I'll have to jump in there. I hate cutting your grass, but I'm, I'm going to take a look at this in film school for fuckwits from a okay. personal perspective. So I'll throw it. I'll throw it to the um, the peanut gallery as well to get your yeah input. for sure. But yeah, I, I've got some thoughts on that particular question. So let's let's hold off. So I've got a backup question because you normally do three. Got a backup question. So, what are your general thoughts on Tom Cruise? And can you divorce the actor from the Scientologist? We kind of covered. We that, sort of did. We? we we didn't ask Morgs. What do you think, Morgs? I think I think he's an A-grade weirdo and I, I think that every role he plays, you it's Tom Cruise you're looking at. Like he doesn't there's no distinction between character and, and, and person. And his personal life is so ubiquitous and, and has become just a mainstay of pop culture over the last forty years that 
No, you you can't divorce it, and so and that's uh, we can. I don't know how far we'll go into individual scenes, but the the whole story with him and Penny Benjamin and that relationship, like you never see Tom Cruise rooting properly on, on film because either he's decided that that's not part of the Tom Cruise brand, or audience reaction is I don't want to see the Scientologist yeah, freak rooting on screen. So I think it's more that I actually yeah. think it's more that. It's more screen time. testing and, and yes. audiences going, yeah. sorry, that pop pop culture Tom Cruise, we don't want to see get nasty no. with uh, with any of his leading ladies. Look, I, I can. I divorce him. I, I have the actor and the freak. There's no doubt. Gao does as well. He divorces him. But well, he looks like he's got something to say. No, I do, and I, and I agree. I actually, thinking about the mooks, I do agree with you. Look, I can divorce him because I, I was watching this last night and going, how good is Tom Cruise as an actor? Just crazy in real life, but he's a really good actor, and I really, I love a lot of his movies. But you are right; a lot of them, it's, it's a lot of the same character or, or fairly straight. I think Les Grossman is the only one I can think of at the moment where he actually, he does that comedy, part, and, yeah. it's, and he's so good at that too. Yeah. Oh, really uh, uh, Tropic Thunder, his his whole Les Grossman thing is fantastic. So he yeah. can stretch himself. It's almost like it's. It's, he's got a, a publicity person sitting next to him whenever he makes his decisions and they're like, oh, no, no, this is this is a, a proven winner if we go with just Tom Cruise staying within his lane. So he very rarely pops out of that in, in any of the roles he plays. So let's move into the good, the bad, the ugly, where we talk about things that we think are good about the movie, things that we think are a little bad about the movie. And I'm not sure we'll get to the ugly this time, but we just might, knowing Morgs. We're going to start with you, Morgs. What do you think about the good? What do you got? Yeah, I think um, we, we talked a bit about the opening scene. I liked that it. it was almost shot for shot for the opening of the original, uh, certainly the, the throwback to the, the Harold Fultemeyer score. I thought that was great. It just set it up as, wow, this is going to be an amazing viewing experience because I know there was a lot of hype and I, I certainly came late to the party, but I didn't. I, I chose not to read reviews or, or find out much about the film before I saw it and, and it was just it. It just it, it was it set me up for what I loved about the original straight away in that uh, that recreation of, of everything we loved about the original Top Gun. So, and I guess that flowed through with all the Easter eggs and, and nods to the original throughout the film. So there was just so much for the huge fan of the original Top Gun throughout from the um, the hard deck bar, all the scenes in there, especially when Miles Teller's character comes and plays the piano with the, with the hark back to uh, to Mav and Goose and, and everything that they did together. Like, it just little things like that. It just filled you with, like, it was goosebump moments for a film, which you don't get very often at all these days. And uh, I think that just that there were so many other instances of just acknowledging scenes from the original Top Gun and, and how that's played a big part in our lives. And I, and I guess that's what I thought was good overall was that it, this movie was just made for fans. It was made for people who love the original. So I know quite a few younger kids that have gone with their parents that are our age that love the movie not having seen the original. But yeah. for us who loved it, it was just unashamedly a made for us. They, they, they didn't try to expand upon the universe or the world. Like, you tell me what year it's meant to be in. Like, you don't. Yeah. You go, I, I know he says he's 30 years on. I think you, you made a point about that before um whitey but it could have the the, the costumes everyone's the, the, the whole the, the scenery the mise-en-scene everything that was in 
this movie could have been in the original. Like it was certainly, uh, and I'm going to say Ms. on sad again because Sloan will be fucking dying right about now, which is awesome. Uh, it, it, just the way, the way that they crafted all of the scenes, that's when they, um, it, it's everything that's in. That's like, you think about a painting, Ms. on sad, that's how they uh, design a shot. Ubiquitous and Ms. on sad in the one it's podcast. A, it's, a, it's a French word. Uh, yeah, I just I just think that it could you could interchange either film and it could be set in the same era is, I guess, my point from that. So. It's the same style. It's the the same costumes. It's very difficult to um, to change the other other, and, and that is in the Mark ten point three uh, aircraft at the start. So yeah, that that was what I thought was good. I thought that it was just completely made for all of us who love the original Top Gun film. Do you know what? And and this is where I talk about Star Wars. Where this we said I said earlier that this is fan service done right. You need to trust that the product that you have is timeless, and that's what they did here with Top Gun. They knew that they had a timeless product and they could make this movie for the fans and that the modern moviegoer would accept it and embrace it. Absolutely. Now, what Star Wars never did is they never trusted. They tried to cater to too broad uh, an audience. These guys know their audience. They knew who was going to go watch it, and they also knew that if they made the movie the way they were going to make it, that the general public would embrace that from all ages. I took my eight-year-old daughter to this movie and she loved it. She had tears in her eyes. Yeah. And it makes me so sad that Star Wars, because I'll keep going back to Star Wars, they couldn't do this. This is now, this is the blueprint for a fan service movie. Everyone just needs to look at this and go, that's how we do it. Well, do you think that's because Disney paid so much to Lucasfilm for the rights of Star Wars and they just have to recoup such a massive 100%. 1,000. 100%. Yeah, so I, just... I, I had the video shot <laughs> the day that George Lucas signed and, and sold to Disney for $5.3 billion, whatever it was, and I proclaimed then in front of three customers that this is the end of Star Wars. And what we have seen is we have seen them try to recoup the costs. There's been uh, an over abundance of Star Wars now, and it's been almost killed. I think that it's starting to come back. Mandalorian is starting yeah. to wrestle it back. We talked about Tony Scott was originally going to direct this, and he had a vision for this movie that was going to be more, I guess, more modern, where it was going to be a lot about drone strikes and, and the different way that, that war is waged these days. Wouldn't have worked. Uh, uh, no, worked. That, but that no. was... And that was what he had in mind. And Tom Cruise was never a fan of, of doing a remake. We talked about that before, yeah, about yeah. He, he didn't want to do the, the big blockbuster thing. Tony Scott passed away, unfortunately, in the 2010s. And then the movie got shelved for quite a while. And then Joseph Kaczynski got involved. And he went and flew to see Tom Cruise. And I, and I think they took Jerry Bruckheimer as the director. He's he's the one who's alive, yeah. yeah Don Simpson's dead. Don Simpson's gone. Yeah. And... When he, they flew out, it was Mission Impossible, and they flew him out to see, to see him and pitch the movie. And Tom Cruise actually rang me on the way there and said, "Oh, look, thanks for coming out, Joseph, but it's going to be great to see you." That's about it. And he thought he doesn't want to make this movie, and that's when he pitched to him the whole the whole part of well, this movie's got to be about the relationship, not just about the blockbuster and the relationship between you and Goose's son, and that's what got him over the line. And that was that was the thing. So there's a lot of good throwbacks, but that was. That was the way they wanted to make it. And, you know, like some some of these things you see in the movie, like I don't know if you noticed. I noticed on the second time around when they're, when they're flying at the end when Roost is in the plane when he's like, 
come on, Mav, show me some of that pilot shit. Yeah, I was all, like, oh, there's a lot of quotes oh, back there's from there's the original. A, there's a lot of interesting cover. And that's what Joseph Kaczynski wanted was that throwback to the first movie, but then also to bring it forward. So he didn't. It wasn't just a remake of the first movie. So the, yeah, the, and and as Maud said before, he hit it right on the head. There's a lot of good, a lot of good stuff that we all wanted to see nostalgically, but then moving the movie forward in, into a new era. You got anything more for Good Gal? Because have you got any more Morgs? I do. Just quickly, I'm, chime in if you can, Morgs. But Gal's going to have a crack. The fighter jet cinematography, which we've talked about, is absolutely amazing, and we've gone through it. It is that is what makes the movie to me. That is that is the best part about it. There's no CGI, and that is nothing that Kaczynski didn't want was CGI. And I think that obviously that appealed to Tom Cruise because he likes to do his own stunts. Correct. So apparently, because I, I haven't seen it in the cinema, but apparently the sound in the cinema is just oh, ridiculous oh, as well. Crazy. So. Mate, if you get an opportunity, you've got to yeah, go. Yeah, I'm going to try. I'm going to take go. to my oldest daughter and, and yeah, go and try and see it. got to go. Yeah. But, yeah, I won't go too much into that because we talked about it. But the other thing I liked was the development of Maverick's character from being the hotshot young guy to the wisened veteran of sorts. Yeah. You know, he still it. he still pushes the envelope, but he's a lot no, calmer. No, but, but you know straight away that, that 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 quote that he says, like, do you know what happens if you go through with this? At the start when he's going to go and he's going, Mac-10, yeah. Mac-10, right? <laughs> when he's, and he's like, well, I know what happens to people if I don't. And yep. in the first Top Gun, he wouldn't give a shit about anybody else. Mm. But straight up, in the first five minutes, you know this is a changed guy. Yeah. Like he's he he's for it's not just about him. And it's the same as the scene with Cyclone, where he says, you know, these people, these pilots, you know, they're putting a risk in. He goes, it's yeah. not good. I can't remember the words. It's not good enough for me. He goes, they've got to come home. Yeah, he goes, we've got to teach them how to come home. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, you know, they know the risk. He goes, they've got to come home. Yeah. So that to me is another is another. You know, he's still haunted by the demons of Goose, and that plays out through the movie. And I, I, you know, that that's he's great in that character. Yeah, no, he does very well. Look, I've got the whole movie as good. Obviously, I love the start, Morgs, with you. The music. The only thing it's missing is playing for the boys and Mighty Wings. If they if they crack those two in, then I'm I'm out. I, I'm I'm all in, and I'm all in anyway. I've got Jennifer Connelly. She is just lights the, the screen up. She is gorgeous, beautiful, and does a really good job. That part where they go. The, the day where they're on the is it she drops he, he drops her home it's after the boat ride and she gets and she closes the door and she just leans back against the door yeah. and she knows shit I'm done I'm gone again that's brilliant uh, the, but first, the the good thing is the next time she walks she leaves the, the door, door open and just yeah. walks oh, off it's so good it, it's good yeah it's so good the first dogfight scene yeah is epic like where is he and he just shoots up between them and he and he's too good like he is so much better than Viper and Jester from the original. He is next level good, and it's just obvious that he is way better than these guys, and they're supposed to be the best of the best. The last forty-five minutes of the movie is almost flawless. It's ninety-seven point five percent flawless, and we'll get to this when we go to the bad. And now the Star Wars thing, the approach to the target in the Death Star tunnel, the, in the trench run, it's death. It's it's dead set the trench run in Star Wars when they're coming through to, and then they bomb the the exhaust port. But they also have to bomb a tiny yeah, yeah. it's the exhaust so, port. So in Star Wars it was a two meter wide yeah thing, turret, and in this it's three meters yeah. wide. It's it's uncanny. Yeah, I used so to bullseye Wombrats and my T sixteen back home. Also, also when he when he tells Rooster, he's like, "Trust your instincts. Don't think. Yeah, use just the force. Do. Use oh, the force. It's just, it's use yeah. the force. Yeah. No, it, it's it's amazing. I love it. And hats off. Well done. Well played." There's actually a really cool video that's three minutes of Star Wars, Top Gun being Star Wars, and it's, it's quite funny to watch because it goes with the parallels. Yeah. Really cool thing. Okay. All right. Well, I think I think we agree. 
pretty much the whole movie is good. Let's get to the bad. We'll start with you, Gal. What do you got for the bad? I've got look when the when they first get to the bar, Maverick gets into the bar, and you know, lo and behold, there's his love interest in there. So that's fine. We'll take that. Got to make a movie. But then the young pilots come in, and I think the introduction between them all is really quite stilted. There's not a lot of chemistry between them. There's a, there's a few riffing jokes. It doesn't really, but they don't really introduce themselves. They kind of just sort of hey, and there's a there's a little bit of back and forth. I, I just thought it was a little bit hokey. It wasn't well developed. Well, I me. think do you know what I think it was, and and Morgs, I'll be interested to get your take on this being in the industry. I think that these pilots are so secondary to the story. Like, yes. they don't matter. This is not about them in any way, shape, or form. This is about Maverick. This is about Rooster. Rooster. Yeah. And that is it. Yeah. Everyone else is a is grey matter. It's a bit part. Yeah. yeah. And so they probably feel that we don't need to know. I don't know why Phoenix and Rooster, we never learn why, they, why they're tight. You know, we don't know why Hangman and Phoenix have this thing. We, we never find out. They just... We just have to accept that this is the way it is. I don't have an issue with that because, really, I don't care. Just show me more Maverick, show me more Rooster. But I get it. And I, it's sometimes I, with multiple watches, I find myself wanting more. I'm like, tell me more about these guys. I, 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 you see, I didn't get it because in the original you had Iceman and, and what's his name? A slider. A slider. But you knew, and they introduced themselves, and they're like, and you could see, you know, there's the two young, you know, cowboys between them, yeah. And there's a bit of stuff, but with the rest of them, you know, yeah, you're right. They don't develop that relationship, so I, I just found that a little bit stilted. Yep. Yeah. Um, the the other bad that I have was when they're up, you know, in the dogfights or doing their training. There's just way too much jabber between, like these guys are all elite pilots, and they're up there, and Hangman's going, oh, so what's going on with you and Maverick, you know. That, that's just not going to happen. They're not going to be up there talking about all this stuff and just carrying on like it's a it's another day in the office. But I get that's all that they're also doing some plot development. It's exposition. And I so get, it's yeah. the only time they can get to any exposition is when they're because if it was just silent, then it'd be just silent. No, so it's an opportunity I know, for exposition. I know, but I just like this is yeah, not what we're sure. doing. But anyway, that's that's my yeah, bad. Yeah. Morgs, you got anything? Again, as as an overall entertainment package, I don't want to uh, denigrate it too much, but I thought the call sign names were fucking lame, Uh, and the reason for that was they were all chosen by the the actors picked their own call signs for this. So Miles Teller chose Rooster because it was another bird like Goose, like fucking whatever. Like they're they're all crap. I don't know Bob picked Bob. Well, that was just meant to be comedic relief, but. (laughs) Even I mean, Hangman's all right, but the the call signs in the first film were vastly superior, and obviously written by a screenwriter, not by actors. The the other thing was Glenn Powell. Who, uh, I've spoken about at length. I think he's fantastic. I think will be a huge movie star, but I think he was let down a bit by obviously he was meant to be the new Iceman in in this flick, so the antagonist to Maverick or, or Maverick's proxy in this instance, which is Rooster. But I think it was far too contrived when he was having a dig about to Rooster about um, Maverick and, and Goose and his mum and everything like that. It just it was way out of character. So I know that they had to do it. I think it was just it it wasn't it was a bit blunt. It wasn't handled skillfully in the dialogue and could have been better. But again, that's it's just a it's 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 a a, a minor thing. And then the I, I don't know. Did you guys enjoy the 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 penultimate scenes where? They both crash landed and they they got into the F fourteen. Like it was. I okay, 
Yeah. I, I've that, got, that's in my ugly, but I've, anyway. I've got that. I've got that. Yeah. I've got the F-14 scene in my bad. I, mm. I don't mind... I don't mind them crashing. I don't mind that part. I find mm. the the hokey, sneaky, Pink Panther yeah. style get to the plane bit to be a bit on the nose. Yeah. That's the uh, that's why I give it. Uh, I say the last forty five minutes is ninety seven point five percent good. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just getting to the plane. Once they the whole sneaking and then getting in the hangar and then miraculously they can. Dodge and they, the, the they had to have and those those um, the, the scenes to get them into the plane. So I get it, and yeah. it, it's an entertainment piece. And especially after First Blood, I, I felt I was a bit picky in not viewing it holistically, rather than and, and sort of coming in real tight on a few scenes. So yeah. I get why that had to happen. But yeah, it, was, yeah. it just felt a bit, and it became a bit of a buddy movie at the end. Like they, they went, Rooster went from not talking to the guy to basically being his best friend within, yes. within 30 seconds. That so, happened very quickly. Yeah. So this is the thing to me. When when Maverick gets shot down, I was like, this is it. Like this is the movie they've made and he's gonna he's gone. Like, oh, wow, that's, yeah, this is kind of an ending. And then I didn't mind that that he got shot down, and then Rooster came and saved him. But the rest that the next bit became a little bit hokey. They ran they run into a place where there's yeah. enemy everywhere. There's got to be a thousand soldiers yeah. there. Like that that that's the only thing I find on the nose. I've got a couple of things. I've got the beach football game. I think that's just there because yeah. of the beach volleyball yep. game. The, the beach make... football game makes no sense. Like I no don't, sense. It, it, no sense whatsoever. It's I don't cool. know how they. I don't know how they play though. offense and defense in the one no. fucking game. Right. I, I don't get it. The other bit that I sort of chuckled at is the when he's doing Mac Tan and he disintegrates in the atmosphere and he's okay. Surely he burns to death, right? Now, there is a there is a theory that Maverick actually dies in that crash and the rest of it is is a dream, right? There's that theory, right? So I don't I don't prescribe to that theory, but there is that theory. I find that bit to be quite well, you see it break apart in the upper atmosphere and he survives. Although I do laugh when he goes, where am I? And the kid goes, Earth. I think that's quite funny. Nice bit of levity there. Okay, ugly. I have nothing for ugly. Morg's got anything for ugly? Oh, look, I, I did have a note, but it's not. It's a bit of a piss take, ugly. But uh, we, we, and we've talked about it before. I can't make the distinction between Tom Cruise, fucking weird cat, and Tom Cruise actor. So that was Fair why on. this was. I thoroughly enjoyed this as an entertainment spectacle. He has just been such a weirdo over so many years that it's impossible for, for me to think anything but there's that Scientologist weirdo on the line. Yeah, no, that's that's a fair point. That's a fair point. What about you, Gail? What do you got? I just had one that uh, when when Maverick and Rooster are in the F-14 and they're getting away and they shoot up in the sky and the, the fifth-generation plane has got a bead on them, how did that guy not know in a fifth generation plane that someone else was coming in? Now these other when they were coming in, they, they were five miles away or ten miles away. Yeah. They, they saw the other planes. This guy didn't know that Han Solo was coming in to take him out. <laughs> well, and then yeah, it's, it's exactly the same. same. It's, it's exactly, exactly the same. same. But I, I just didn't get that. Like he's in this plane, he would have had alarms going everywhere that someone else is coming in, and all of a sudden, bang, he's out. But yeah. that, that was my that was my ugly in that. Yeah, well, that, that's all right. I can handle that. Yeah, I can handle that. Like, okay, well done. So we dissected the movie. Now let's move on to listen to this. And I'm going to start. So the plane that Maverick works on and flies at the end is his own is his own plane, right? And he's doing the flying. So when it's him and 
Jennifer Connolly at the end in, the, yeah. in that plane. That's Tom Cruise flying it, and that's his own plane. Pretty cool. The guy's a the guy's a freak. Like, let's be honest. Like, he's really he's a freak. Uh, he flew his own chopper onto the USS Midway for the premiere. Of the yeah, movie. he's he's next so, level. Yeah. He's next level. The actors themselves. We've spoken about this before, but the actors themselves, as well as filming themselves in the cockpits, they also had to touch up their own makeup in between scenes and make sure that everything was fine. So they had to turn the camera on and off, and then also touch up their makeup in the plane while they were flying. Really? Yeah. And how do you reckon you guys would have gone in, in those planes? Well, I... I'll tell you how I would have gone because three of the six new actors threw up every day and I would have been one of the three that threw up. Same. Absolutely yeah. same. Gao, you're the only one here with, with jet jet fighter experience. How would you go? Well, I'll tell you what. The, the scenes where you see them going up and you see the you see the their vision going down to a to a dot. Yeah. Like that, that is exactly what happened. Everything else is fine because the blood's basically that you're going up that that part. And what they tell you to do is you hear you can actually hear them in the movie. You can hear them going. You got to tense your core. And go, and you got to breathe out quickly because you've got to try and stay. You know, as those G's hit, you've got to try and stay and not get knocked out. But what happened to me was. You can actually see that. You can see your vision leaving because the blood's going out of your head. So your vision goes, but your hearing and, and your brain and everything's fine. So you can still talk. You still know what's going on. But that's probably seconds away from, from, blacking, from, out. from blacking out, right? Wow. So it's actually really interesting because that's quite true. And you can act, and you know, having had that experience and knowing what I know. Of course. Um, Industry insider. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've, I've, had a, I've had a fair amount of time in the seat in a plane. So. It's actually quite, but but noticing that you can hear them, you can hear them breathing like really quickly because that that's what you're taught to do. Yeah, wow. Okay. So did we we gave you that as a present for your fortieth birthday, didn't we, Gail? Going up in a yeah. in a fighter plane, or did your we wife did. do that? I can't remember. No, we did. I think we all chipped in. I think we all chipped and what, in. And what did you 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 would have you how many how many flight hours did you log? Like it was one or two minutes. Oh, mate, a lot of hours. It was. I mean, if we're talking hours, we're talking like. 0.25 hours. I mean, I mean, a lot of a lot of time in the seat. A lot of time. I mean, a lot I, of time. I, I, all jokes aside, when you and I travelled, though, we would have flogged like Stop. a mole, hundreds Stop. of hours. Stop! In, I'm cutting in, this out. In, in, I'm cutting this planes. out. Do you know that Tom Cruise designed a three month course for the actors to undertake so that they were ready for the for the movie? So he did his own sort of boot campy course for the actors. Pretty cool. Maybe better than your fucking shit stories about travelling. <laughs> you got anything out yeah, for listening to this that doesn't include traveling around the globe with morgues? What have I got here? I got one. Anthony Edwards, love the movie, gave it two thumbs up. Private screening with him and Tom Cruise. Just, oh, him, really? just him and Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise showed in the movie one on one. Go the goose. I actually thought they might have done a throwback and got him. Oh, they couldn't really do a yeah. throwback, could you? It's Force Ghost. <laughs> do the Goose Ghost. I got us the force, man. Uh, yeah, they could have got him up on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually got one. Joseph Kaczynski was rumored to direct Star Wars Episode Seven before J.J. Abrams joined it, and it became The Force Awakens. God, I wish he did. Yeah, so that's. But he actually said, "I got to play out my Star Wars fantasies in Tron Legacy and Oblivion." But maybe that's where a little bit of that comes from, and yeah. that that synergy between the movies. Yeah. yeah, it's it's the more you talk about it, the more you think about it, it's it's quite obvious. Morgs, you got anything? This is right up your alley. You love this. This is your favourite segment. Well, yeah, it's got nothing to do with the film, but are you guys into Lord of the Rings? Yeah, a little bit. 
I don't mind it. The movies are great. I've read the book. So there's a a new TV show on Amazon at the moment. So eight episodes. Eight episodes cost four hundred and sixty-five million US. Oh God! Yeah. Eight episodes. It's crazy, isn't it? So I was uh, obviously this one. What did you say? One hundred seventy million for this one. Um, I I mean, I'm not a huge Lord of the Rings nerd, but. I've got to see something that costs half a billion dollars. Yeah, like well, that. I think That's... it was released today, Rings of Power. Released today, I, the first I, two episodes. I read a couple of reviews today and it said it shits all over the House of Dragon. It makes House of the Dragon look like it was made on uh, a Minecraft screen. Was And I think that means it's shit. But, uh, yeah, so I'd, I'd probably give it a look uh, after that review. Well, considering that the I think the ring the House of Dragon budget, I think it's is it's about 15 or 20 million per episode. So they've got 10 episodes, so it's 200 million. Yeah, and they got eight episodes for four seventy. So there's quite a <laughs> yeah. Give us a breakdown. What, what's the comparison episode on episode? A lot. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Thank <laughs> you. About four x. About four x. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So look, are you got anything else, Gail? Before we move on? No, let's move on. Okay. So uh, quotables. And you know what? This I've got to say, this movie's nowhere near as quotable as the original. I think it, it might be, be in time, though. Yeah, we've, only seen it, we've only seen it a handful of times. So I had nothing as well, only because I've only seen it once. So, But I, I don't yeah, think I've, there was a... I've got, yeah. I've got a few. I've got a couple. Yeah. And so so one, the one that goes throughout the movie is it's not the plane, it's the pilot. Yep. Now, that's what that's what uh, Rooster says to him and Maverick goes, exactly, yeah. and, you know, he's cut to the core. Yeah, he flips it. But, but later I don't on, think we'll be, we'll be quoting that at each other, though, anytime soon. So no, no, no. That, <laughs> but, but I think quite, that... But... Yeah. No, that's no, true. It, it's it's just a quote in the movie. But the other one that, that Hondo says at the start when Maverick's came up in Dark Star is, oh, I don't, look like the, I don't like that look, Mav. It's the only one I got. Yeah. And he says that when he's going out, you know, he thinks he's not coming back. He yeah. says that same one. So I, I like that. It was, it was pretty cool. Also, when he's going up with the Dark Star and he gets to the 10 Gs, and they're all like they're all clapping, and that's all great. And then Hondo just at the screen again. Oh, don't do it! Don't, <laughs> don't do it! It's just good. It's yeah. good, it, and that sets the character like, oh, Mav's still got that that side in him. Yeah, the the edge. Yeah, the still edge. got the edge. I've got I've got a few, and, and a bit like a bit like you get mine are fucking discussions, really, yeah. like between two. So this is when Ed Harris is sending him to to fight a town, and he goes, "The end is inevitable, Maverick. Your kind is headed for extinction." Maverick says, maybe so, sir, but not today. Yeah, that was good. That, that was, was good. really freaking cool. Yeah, and then good. the other one I've got is uh, in the first dogfight when he, he says to himself, easy, Maverick, let's not try and get fired on the first day. Yeah, Goose says that to him in the first oh, one. Oh, does he? Let's not yeah. get fired on the first yes, day, Maverick. That's when he goes right. under the hard yeah, deck, true. right? Yeah. He goes under the hard deck. Really cool. And that actually, I picked, only picked that up watching from home. Then the... Probably my favourite, and we didn't touch on this, and we probably should touch on it now, but when he goes to see Iceman at home and the last things they say to each other, when Iceman says when he's actually talking, and that's not actually him talking, but anyway, one last thing, who's the better pilot, you or me? And Maverick goes, this is a nice moment. 
Let's not ruin it. Yeah. It's so cool. It's pretty cool. It's really good. Well, that, I don't think we spoke enough about that scene, but I, that was incredible. So it's pretty it cool. To see, Val Kilmer was obviously very ill in, in real life, and yeah. the way they handled that whole scene, because the, the poor fucker can't talk at the moment. And yes. just the emotion they were able to wring out of that scene with him just typing, I thought it was brilliantly handled. Joseph Kaczynski, I think the way he treated the whole film was yeah. just yeah. All time, like I, I think, but that particular, as a, a massive fan of the original, to be able to have that moment between those two great actors was that, just that scene. Amazing. That scene is that scene is one of the scenes where I actually had tears in my eyes in the movie. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, that that was um, that was emotional. There was a few. Obviously, I got tears in the eyes when the movie started, and it just I was like, this is shot for shot. That was one. Yeah, the Ice Man, and then obviously towards the end when it's him and Rooster, and yeah, and I'm an emotional wreck. So. um but yeah, that scene that that let's not ruin it is I thought that was brilliant, so well done, well played. I've just got His wife two. was a good sort too, great sort, yeah, great. Yeah, sort. I, I got two quick ones that I, I really liked that stood out to me. One was Ed Harris as as Hammer Kane, that that was his call sign Hammer when he's up there in the Dark Star and he's got ten Gs and he goes over and he just stands and he goes, "You got some balls, stick jockey. Yeah. I'll give you that." Yeah, stick jockey. I like that. And the other one was when he first gets back to Miramar and he's talking to Warlock and Cyclone and, and Warlock says to him, Cyclone finished first in his class in 88. And Maverick goes, actually, sir, I finished second. Just want to manage expectations. Yeah. I thought that was quite cool. And it just show, he just shows that side. I didn't, think I, I didn't think I'd be invited back here. Yeah. They're called orders, Maverick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's quite that funny. Was... It's quite a funny movie. There's some good little yeah. lines like that. No, very good. Very yeah. good. The segment that no one's been waiting for, except for Dan, film school for fuckwits. Take it away. Yes, thank you. Uh, fellow fuckwits, uh, great to be back with you guys again this week uh, to learn a bit about the industry from an insider. And I, I think this week, obviously, the most obvious discussion <laughs> is got to be about sequels. So it, the discussion about how good this is as a sequel to the original Top Gun. So I want to talk about the top five most disappointing sequels and the top five coolest sequels, just to me personally, and uh, and really get your uh, your thoughts on that. So, okay, so Dan, I'm just going to stop you there and just ask, are they only mm-hmm. second films or are they any sequels in the trilogy? Oh, no, any sequels, good question. Yeah, no, yep. mostly second films, but there are a couple that uh, okay. are at least one that is uh, any sequel. So uh, top five disappointing and and surprising great sequels. So we'll, we'll do disappointing first. But yeah, go on, yep. Starting off with one that was reasonably recently, but with T2, the sequel to Train Spotting. So, as a, a massive, massive fan of the original Train Spotting, went up with super high expectations of T2. Didn't really dig on it. It's, didn't finish it has, it. Yeah, it's had it's had pretty good reviews actually, but uh, I didn't I didn't enjoy the style. I didn't like what they did with the characters. Didn't didn't just didn't enjoy it. So yeah. I, I didn't uh, finish it. Hit, yeah, yeah, no, I can understand why. But uh, fuckwits, feel free to reach out to me on the line and give me your take on, on T2 Trainspotting. But, yeah, that, that was disappointing for me. Um, and a few years back, but one that was ridiculously disappointing was The Matrix Reloaded. Oh, so absolutely loved the original Matrix. I think that that was just so ahead of its time. 
the the Wachowskis just did an incredible job of of bringing movie making just uh, leap forward into uh, into the future and making an incredible film with the Matrix. But the Matrix Reloaded was so bad. I still haven't seen the third one in the film, The oh Matrix Revolution. So well, you know I have not watched well, a frame. Do yourself a favour. If you think that yep. Reloaded's bad, Revolutions is worse. And then yep. the latest one, Matrix Resurrection, is even worse than yeah, them. which which is what I've heard. So I haven't seen oh a frame my God. of a frame of Revolution or a frame of uh, the the most recent one. So extremely disappointing and uh, huge budget and, and and probably shouldn't have been shot. Uh, I'll tell you what, well, no, Luke, but, if, you, if you could tell us what they're about too, those movies, well, if you could explain and, the story. And, and that was one of the problems because there was the the, the whole with. With the whole, the, the original Matrix, like you kind of uh, understand the mythology behind it and it was it was very much the dawn of the internet and what was happening and we didn't know. I mean, maybe there was uh, there was, there was some weight to what they were saying about Neo and uh, are we living these parallel lives? And it, it was sort of, it was at least food for thought and you could get to the end of the movie and think that was entertaining and also thought-provoking. But from what I remember of, uh, of Reloaded, it just jumped the shark so bad. Shit but, uh, yeah, awful. Um, the next one was why do you touched on it many times in this pod and I just have to kick it in the dick. Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Menace. We, the three of us, are enormous original Star Wars fans. Some of us are still fans of some of the subsequent films. We, we went to the midnight screenings of yeah. the uh, Episodes 1, 2 and 3. The more I look back on The Fucking Phantom Menace, it is just so disappointing yeah. And as as a huge Star Wars fan, I mean, three words sum up that film for me: Jar Jar Binks. What yeah. the Terrible. fuck? Like, what do you, you you spoke about it really eloquently? I've, I've heard it before. There's there's fan there's films that are made with a real a real eye on the needs of the fans and what they need to see. And then there's what the fuck Disney did with those three prequels. And, nah, well, that uh, wasn't Disney. That's George Lucas. So that was still Lucas yeah. film. So yeah. that was George Lucas deciding that, again, that he was so disappointed with the original movies that he just needed to change everything yeah, and just changed all the mythology. And yeah. if, like, Phantom Menace is, is bad. It's not great. But Attack of the Clones is a travesty. Yeah. Now, it almost rescues itself with Revenge of the Sith, which is not a bad Star Wars movie. Yeah. It doesn't compare to the original trilogy. But, God... I was so excited to see Phantom Menace and the Midnight Session. I bought 30 tickets. There was 30 of us at Colorado Cinema. Yeah. Mustaka came out, said, welcome to Star Wars. And yeah. then we began. And it was, I wanted to love it so much. And I think I forced myself to. You pretend. did. No, you, were, you tried to make I it love it at the time. And it, was, and, it just wasn't. And, and, and in revisiting them with, with my children, especially with Isabel, because she's quite a Star Wars fan, which is amazing. But. I almost can't. I have not shown her the the pre uh, the uh, sequels because they are terrible. I have gone through the prequels with her, and I it's it's a battle. It's a battle. So yeah, I agree, Mort. Not great. Well, you're you're foreshadowed where my numbers four, <laughs> five, and bonus six are. But yeah, the Force Awakens I've actually seen, so I can uh, I can actually say I hate it having seen the entire movie. <laughs> Uh, the Last Jedi I've seen about 30% of and fucking hate it. 
And the rise of Skywalker, I've seen zero percent of, and fucking hate it. So that that that's the most disappointing group of sequels I've ever seen. And unfortunately, four of the films are in the Star Wars universe that I otherwise absolutely adore. Yeah, look, Force Awakens. Look, apart from it being a carbon copy of the original Star Wars film, note for note, it's not a bad movie. Except it is a carbon copy. It's pointless. It's absolutely yeah, it, pointless. No, I, I, I completely agree. I completely mm-hmm. ha- again. They had an opportunity to make a fan service trilogy for the fans, not for who might be fans, which is what they've done, right? And they were so concerned that it may not be accepted that they just remade a movie. And it's yeah, disappointing. The, the sequel trilogy is one of the most disappointing things I've ever endured in my life, and I hope that they just wipe them off the slate and they go, let's start again. Yeah. Get someone like John Favreau and David Filoni involved from Mandalorian and just yeah. go, fill your boots. That Ryan Johnson, who is a good filmmaker, that Last Jedi, that tripe that he put on the screen and because he wanted to put his mark on the Star Wars universe is abhorrent. It's unforgivable. No, I agree. And you, you mentioned Mandalorian, which uh, I've I probably unfairly criticised in the past. I actually really enjoy it. I, I think Boba Fett was probably a bit weaker, but when yeah. when they circled back to the Mandalorian, it became it became good again. But yes. I think you're right. Taika Waititi, John Favreau, Dave Filoni, if they, they give them the reins of another trilogy, I think I would I would at least watch the first one. But, yeah, for it's sure. done for me. And that's so hard to take as someone who just loves the, the original trilogy so much, like most of the people our age and uh, and a little bit older who just grew up just idolising those films. So, yeah. yeah, very disappointing. But, anyway, the, the top Let's five those, yeah, the top five surprisingly great for me. So I've tried to stay away from the obvious uh, great sequels that I mentioned, like your Aliens, your, your Godfather 2, and these are just ones personally that I found surprisingly great. So the first one is going back in time, but Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, following up from the original Indiana Jones, what an incredible standalone movie that that is yeah. that just borrows everything from or, or takes in extends from the original movie, but just an incredible film in its own right. So I, I remember being, that, that film gave me nightmares quite uh, a lot when I was a kid because uh, there's some pretty visceral scenes in it. But I just think as a standalone movie in its own right, it's just such an incredible film. And for, for, to be a sequel with sequels often being maligned, I think that that's amazing. Um, Casino Royale. So the yeah. first of the Daniel Craig Bonds. Yeah, good call. What a way to revitalise an absolutely dying brand. Uh, amazing, and all of the all of the Daniel Craig sequels, bar probably one. Uh, Quantum of Solace is shocking. Yeah, that that's right. That that got a bit too uh, you know it, it, a little bit too up its own ass. But um, I actually, Casino I actually, Royale. I actually think that Skyfall is a better movie than Casino Royale. Agree. Casino Royale is excellent. Yeah, but I think. I think that Skyfall is a better movie, but I think that what Casino Royale did for the Bond franchise, you can't discount. Yeah, rewrote. One hundred percent agree. And uh, and Casino yeah. Royale started that. And Daniel Craig, who would have thought that the South African guy from the Power of One, the, yes. the bully from the Power of One, would have been the up as James Bond? That's it. That's it. Like uh, it never would have picked that. But an amazing Bond, an amazing flick. Um, the third one. We talked about it a bit a couple of pods ago uh, as possibly the greatest action film of all time, but Mad Max Fury Road. 
uh, to better Gao's favourite film and then probably the better film, uh, The Road Warrior, Mad Max 2. Uh, let's forget about Beyond Thunderdome as if it didn't happen, but Mad Max Fury Road, incredible sequel and uh, just it probably as a standalone film greater than the sum of the other part, of the other films put together. So very, uh, very impressed with that personally as a sequel. Uh, another one from a series that we've spoken about a lot on this, this podcast, Creed. Uh, I think an incredible revitalization of a uh, of a franchise and 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 a quasi sequel uh, at least to uh, to the to the Rockies. But um, what a great cinema experience that was! Having no idea how that was going to go, but just uh, an amazing and Sylvester Stallone again proving that Brilliant. he's a fucking great actor. Brilliant. So it's, and, and I did give him well, I didn't give him a kicking in first blood, but I, I did point out the deficiencies that I see with my 40-something-year-old eyes, but Creed was fantastic. And I think there's, enough, there's a third Creed about to drop. It'd be interesting to see because the second one wasn't as good as Creed, but it'd be interesting to see when they get back from three. But the fifth, surprisingly great, funnily enough, uh, is the the topic of this podcast, Top Run Mavericks. So didn't know what to expect with the piss-poor marketing of this film, which I don't know if it was driven by the studios or COVID or a bit of both or whatever, but I was shit-scared when... They didn't release this movie until three and a half years after it was in the can, and I thought they just they fingered it. Obviously, it's not going to be great, but um, what an incredible movie experience it was! Yeah, well played, Morgs. Uh, five good sequels there. That was awesome, Morgs. That was that was a good five good sequels there, and I'm, I'm glad that we've stayed away from the mains because we'll probably no. It's yeah, not, it's not worth going through the mains. It's not worth going through no, them. No, yeah, because we can all go through the mains. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, that was awesome. Yeah, well done. I, you know, I think for me, just quickly on that, The Color of Money yeah. was a good sequel 25 years after The Hustler. Mate, uh, one of yeah. my favorite movies, Gout, and just and I thought about bringing that up, but we'll, we'll do that again on the pod for sure. Yeah. But to stay away from all of them, and the other one that, which you all missed, which you shouldn't have, was Porky's 2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of the greatest sequels and one of the greatest movies of all time. Wow, Gear. You're really you're really showing your unwokeness before these two. <laughs> Listen, I'm like Morgs last week. I haven't watched that for twenty five years. I'm still clinging to the fact that it's let's awesome. watch it. Let's watch it again. And, let's watch it and again. then I, I, I'm no, I don't want to watch it because if I do watch it, I might, I might just it yeah, might go look, first blood for me. It's like when I, it's like when I went back and revisited Hawk the Slayer. Oh, right. and uh, and was it was one of my childhood favourites, and I watched it, and I was like, holy shit. Oh, really? But anyway, and we'll talk about that a bit next I week. I loved Hawks sure. Slayer. Oh, it's my, and you know what? I, I've got to take my 47-year-old discerning eye off it and probably appreciate it for what it is, which is 80s tripe. Okay, I know Gao's trying to avoid the impending doom. And he's got some big shoes to fill after what could only be described as the greatest kick-ass credit song so far. Jesus, talk yourself up. Yeah, I know. How good is it? Did you get any feedback on the line? That uh, because so far you're the only one who looks yourself out. Exactly. Over so yes, actually, as a matter hold of on, fact, hold on, hold on. Does Whitey have any feedback on himself? No, no, no. This is from JB from South Africa. Good fan, big fan, big super fan. Brilliant pod. Any goodwill that I gave the man on the land with his montage overview has been completely detracted after his appalling ratings that he gave. What? <laughs> So we probably should have read that earlier, but it works here. Five times lyrical robots for the Stan song. It had quite an Irish jig to it. 
There we go. Yeah, so, and there's been some others. Sloan Nixon, big fan, big fan. And he even said, Gal's, Gal's got some big shoes to fill, but we are pumped. Gal, take it away. Stan Bush, kick ass, credit song. Let's do this. All right. Well, I've got something. On the, why did you do the power battle last week? I did. And it was really good. <laughs> Thank you. So. I thought I better write a power ballad this week. Oh, good. Follow because I, I was hoping to suddenly get a power ballad. Out. I can't wait. So Gail's re- about to break here. I've I've written something in in that genre. So here we go. What's it called? You got no mullet. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh, Gal's gone. You've got no mullet. Gal's dribbling. Gal's legitimately dribbling. <laughs> we may not get through this. You say that every week. Is it really called You Got No Mullet? Yep. Okay. All right. It's a completely different song, though. Oh, I'm sure it is. Yeah. Let's go. Right, here we go. You got no mullet. You got no mullet. You're an evil aviator, but your best mate's son, he's a fucking hater. Now you're back at Miramar, but Cyclone, he don't agree. He thinks you're a tool and wants to cut you free. But Ice is commander of the whole fucking southern fleet. And now you're in charge of the Gen Z tribe. <laughs> okay, go. Okay, go. Cut, I'll cut it together. No, we'll cut it together. Taking out these fools, they're doing push-ups all the time. Penny's running the bar and she's looking just fine. Playing beach footy too. Offense and defense at the same time. <laughs> you got no mullet, but you're wiser. And some of these pilots, well, they're pretty shizer. Yeah, you got no mullet. You're so pensive. Like Morgz's first blood rating last week, it's offensive. <laughs> you got no mullet. <laughs> oh. oh, winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's not my actual song. Oh, please, isn't it? No. Are you doubling up again? Yeah, I'm going to double up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now, this movie harks back to 86. So... It's got a bit of the old and a bit of the new, so I've incorporated this into the song using arguably the greatest album of all time. Slippery, Slippery when wet. wet. Yeah, nice. There was Tommy and Gina. Wow. Now there's Mavin Rooster. Okay. Oh, God. Is this, is this living on a prayer? Gal. Oh, my God. I don't think I'll get through Fucking God. <laughs> Maverick used to work secret ops. <laughs> we can't do that. I can't do this for half an hour. You gotta shut up. Maverick used to work secret ops. Guys, Morgs. Maverick used to work secret ops. Flying 10 G's in the dark star. He couldn't give a fucking toss about his boss. 
Rooster is the new kid in town. He's a hotshot fly boy, but Mav was there when his dad went down. Now he thinks he's Mav's a clown. And the Gen Z team must learn how to fly. But it's almost Mission Impossible, some of them will surely die. And Mav don't want another Bradshaw getting crushed. So he got him brushed. Oh, they've only got a few weeks. Whoa, they'll hit 9G at their peaks. Those stick jockeys are gonna need to be real sneaks. Whoa, they've only got two weeks. Hangman's just your standard job. He's the new ice man, but worse, and thinks his flying skills just rub. Ooh, but he's a car. Penny works the fly bar all day. Don't leave your wallet on the bar. Before everyone's drinks, you'll have to pay. Yeah, you'll pay. But now PDM has shown them how to fly. Just like Vegas Canyon back home, they can't be seen from the sky. And now it's time for those faceless freaks to go bye-bye. Yeah, they're gonna fry. Oh, they only had a few weeks. Whoa, now it's havoc that they wreak. Their relationship was pretty fucking weak. Whoa, till they flew an antique. Oh, rooster and that. Oh, my God, yeah. Rooster and Mav, there it is. There it is. My God. Living on an F14 prayer. Well done, Gow. Very, very we, good. I, I, I know I bring it up every week, but it's one verse, one chorus. One verse, one chorus. That was incredible. Just keep doing what you're doing. I tried I tried to get to the one verse, one chorus, but Gow. I couldn't get enough in there. Gow. Oh, Gow. But... Daniel and I were talking off air. About you being too busy to do anything yeah. except write two every fucking week, songs like, oh, every week. Busy, I'm too busy to watch any <laughs> fucking movies, but I spend my entire week writing fucking opuses, two songs. You Mr. have Holland. got a mullet. <laughs> I, I swear to God, I swear to God, you had a mullet was 10 minutes this afternoon. Oh, the tune was there. It's very good. It's very it's good. So I, good. I, I, spent a, I spent a bit of time this afternoon writing or finishing the other one because that was it was hard to do. Did a good job, Gal. But uh, you got you, you got a well, mullet's pretty easy because it's the same words. Yeah, yeah. You got my mullet. Very, very funny. Uh, okay. Obviously, star of the show, and you can't pick Gal. Uh, Morgs, who's your MVP of Top Gun Maverick? It ha- it, I think Joseph Kaczynski. I think the film. I, I don't think. I don't think Tom Cruise's acting is all that. I think. It's more the, the way the film's put together. So I'm going to give it to the director. I think it's I think it's an incredible piece of package cinema with so much for the original fans, but so much for the new fans. So Joe Kaczynski, well fucking played. Can't argue with that, Dan. Gail, what do you think? I think it is the filming of the fighter pilot or sorry, them in the planes. It is amazing. So the cinematography. That cinematography is amazing. Okay. Yeah, I I think that is the best thing about the movie. It, it really it really is a highlight. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, I reckon you could loosely attribute that to Joseph Kaczynski. I'm going with the director. I think what he's been able to manufacture here is almost perfection. It's as close as we're going to get to a perfect movie. Well, not loosely. I mean, they spend a lot of time as a director 
putting that together. Oh, for sure. No, it's his vision. It's his vision. Yeah. It's his vision. So, so it definitely when, directly attributable to him. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I think that's we're going three directors there. I think that uh, Tom Cruise, his chops aren't on show, really. He's just doing what he's done before. It's definitely the actor, It's definitely the director here that uh, steals the show. So well done, Joseph Kaczynski. Well played, sir. As I said before, Top Gun Maverick is the sequel to Endor sequels. There's been some good sequels in the past, and this might be the best of all of them. But I'm sure we'll discuss that on another pod. I waited 37 years for this movie, and it was worth every minute of those 37 years. Like Morgs, I was scared when things were delayed, and I just thought that, wow, this could be shit. But the expectation was still building, and, and I knew after 26 seconds of sitting in that cinema that I was all wrong, and it was all right. What a movie. Well done. Top Gun Maverick. Well played. Let's rate. Gal? Hard deck? What are, we, what are we rating it? Hard decks? Well, originally originally it was G's. I'm happy to change it up. I don't mind hard decks. Hard decks, you said? Yeah, hard decks. Right. Okay, let's do this. What we're going to do is we're going to rescore this movie. So it will still be Top Gun Maverick, and we're not going to change it to be the rewatch or the instant review. This is going to be the full Born to Watch team giving it its rating. So it's now whatever hard decks. So, Gal, what are you giving Top Gun Maverick as I reach for my phone? I'm giving this after the rewatch. You know, there were some there were some more bits I thought were better. There's some you, other bits. Do I you remember worse. what you vote, uh, what you rated it for? Yeah, it was four point five. Four point five. Yep. I'm four point two five. Okay, sliding down a bit. Well, a little bit. I just think there was a little bit of character development there. Okay. Uh, but but it is an amazing movie. I'll give it that. Okay. Dan, what do you got? How many hard decks? Yeah, I think it was great. As, a, as an entertainment experience, I thought it was unsurpassed in any movie I've seen recently. I'm going to give it a four. Loved it. Four for, four for Dan. That's good. Okay, so I rated this movie five. Out of the cinema, I came in, had more than half a bar, and gave it five. I'm throttling back on five. I'm going to give this 4.75. I don't think it's a five. There are other movies that I think are fives. I love this movie, don't get me wrong, and I will continue to watch this over and over. I'm giving it 4.75, and here we go. That now makes Top Gun Maverick 4.33. 4.33. So where does this now sit? This is interesting because there's been a change. Wow. So Maverick coming in at 4.33 puts it in second spot behind the thing at 4.5 flamethrowers, just above Die Hard at 4.25 toasted quarterbacks. Wow, that's so interesting. We've got a flip at the top. Would get, I didn't think it would get knocked out of first spot. Yeah, look, it's it, there's been a flip at the top with the thing moving into first spot and Maverick slipping down a second. Well, I think I think that 4.33 is a good spot for it. That's over 9.5 out of 10. Uh, that right, that's the, I think that's a good rating. The thing's a better film. I think the thing is a better film. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Okay. Really? Well, I think the thing's a better changed. film. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, from the, from the. Well, sorry, Morrison, you have changed from that. Well, yeah, no, yeah. Well, I've, I've dropped to point two five. I've dropped to point two five to four point seven five. So I haven't changed that much. I just, you know, right. I think 
No, but we both dropped a little bit. But Morgs wasn't in the in the first. No, so, so that's the thing. Yeah, so I think that I think that is about where it should be. Four point three three. Knowing what Morgs is like, I think four for Morgs is a high score. So that's good. What are we watching, boys? Are we doing anything? Yeah, I know you've been very very busy. Better call Saul this week. That's I've watched a couple of episodes. That's all I've had time to do. But yeah, right into it, Morgs. You last week you said that the finale of of season five, season six. I'm not sure how many seasons in there was awesome. It's a slow burner, but I do really like it. I'm through eight episodes of the first season and really, really enjoying it. Nice. And you, Morgs, what are you up to? I watched The Wolf of Wall Street for the 80th time uh, last night. Love that fucking flick. That'll be one of my picks for this pod very soon. Absolutely. Look, I have been re-watching Baywatch with my family, the original series, The Hoff. We've, we've ploughed through season one. We're now on to season two where main characters have just disappeared off the face of the is earth. Is Phelpsy still in season two? No, Phelpsy has disappeared. He's been picked up by the Scientology spaceship and taken, as uh, has uh, Parker hmm. Stevenson. Parker Stevenson, oh. who's in season one, and his Michael wife have just... He's still, made... in, he's still in it. Which one? Michael Newman, the bald, bald life guy. Oh yeah, no, he's he's in it, but he's like yeah. he's a red shirt. He's uh yeah. he's a Star Trek red shirt, so yeah. he's just yeah. in the background with his bald head and moustache. But no, uh, Parker Stevenson, his wife, and Phelpsy have literally disappeared off the face of the earth for season two. Wow. With no explanation as to where they've gone. They're out of the credits, they're gone. So I don't know, they've gone to Baywatch Heaven and uh, we're plowing on and it's I don't think it's far away from Pamela Anderson showing her face. I think it might be in a season two that she start, that she shows her face for the first time. So CJ. CJ, yeah, absolutely. So we're excited about that. Uh, Isabel's loving it. It's um, melodrama at its best. We are closing in on the runtime for the film, which is the way it goes for uh, Born to Watch. I'm sure in the edit it may not be that long. We've had a lot of fun, and thanks for joining us this time to review Top Gun Maverick Morgs. Your uh, input was... Well received and yeah, it appreciated. Was great. a great experience. I, I will endeavour to go see it in the movies because I enjoyed yeah. it on the little screen, but uh, I think I should see it on the big one. Next week, we're having our second special guest in the panic room for Born to Watch. Damo from Vicky Point, a great fan, has asked to be a guest and we have accepted. And he is picking the movie and he is choosing Tremors, starring Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward. <laughs> Tremors, oh, my God. I know. When was the I last know. time you saw Tremors? I, I can't. Uh, do you want me to be perfectly honest with you? Probably three months ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I introduced Luke to Tremors when he was coming through. It's a it's a really good creature feature. Fun. It's not too violent. It's a little bit scary, but it's good fun. It's quite funny. It's good fun. It's a good fun movie for an 80s creature feature. So you're saying it's fun? Have I said it's fun? <laughs> Have I said it's fun? I think you guys are going to enjoy it. I'm looking forward to seeing where this rates, to be perfectly honest. And will it be able to hop in front of Roadhouse and Bloodsport and The Golden Child? It's going to be interesting. And whether it, whether I'm talking too low there, it may sit further up in the uh, the ladder. Well, I hope so. I know it's one of my favourites. I'm sure you've seen it many times, Gal. Yeah. 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 This is this is interesting. It seems that we're, we're watching movies for many times and we're introducing Gal to a whole heap of movies at the same time. Is this an 80s karate movie? No, it's not. No, it's not. Then no. Okay, so look, for me, it's bye for now. Goodbye. See you all later. 
Great songs tonight, G-Man. See you next week on the line. Thank you for listening to this episode of Born to Watch. To join us on our journey into some of our favourite movies of all time, you can find us on all good podcast networks like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you like what you hear, give us a five-star review and share with your friends.